The following audio may contain coarse language and other material that may not be suitable for a younger audience. Viewer discretion is advised. Also, we may spoil anything and everything, so you have been warned. I love piss water coffee. It's the best thing out there. Hello and welcome to the Movie Gang Podcast. We have a bunch of lovable assholes today here to talk about movies and specifically the Oscars this year. Alright, introductions! First up, we got Andrew Rieger, who has come back from California and he didn't actually disappear, he wasn't spirited away, he's here, he's alive, he wants to talk about movies, and he misses his friends. I Tell do. us about yourself, Andrew. Alright, well, I'm Andrew Rieger, um, I am a California native, but I met all of these fine, lovely people in Texas, and movies are my life and it's pretty sad but i don't really have a life outside of movies so this is sort of my outlet and jack is what drinking the fuck coffee are you out doing? of the box so <laughs> are you sure it's coffee or is it wine i don't know it's coffee which is i was gonna say it, it looks like it's coffee <laughs> I, just, I have a box of coffee wine. and it's awesome <laughs> That's definitely box. It doesn't so we're off box the rails wine. in just a minute already. That yeah. was fast. Not, e- not even. I was just hoping that the box was gonna like dump. All of it. <laughs> I mean, if, 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 there were, if there was alcohol in that, I would have lost a lot of respect for you, Jack. Oh, <laughs> come on. Yeah, for all of our listeners, just so you know, yeah, Andrew's talking, and then the rest of us see Jack like pull a box out of nowhere, and we all silently lose our shit. Of <laughs> oh my god. We did a we did a course here up here at today, and so we had all this uh, free coffee and dessert. So I'm living off. Uh, uh, old bagels and boxed coffee so it's pretty excellent um anyways <laughs> moving on we have ben haworth hello everybody and uh yeah good to be back yeah guys. next up good we got bobby for the second podcast um i guess i can introduce myself because i never really did that uh, I'm a reporter, uh, yeah. and I work for a small newspaper in Wisconsin. It's balls cold here, and um, that's something that I've had to get used to. I'm a Texas native, um, but I've been living up here for a year and a half. Please do. Can I introduce myself now? Go, Ben! <laughs> run, Ben, run! All right, um, I'm Ben. I'm an editor from Houston, Texas. I work in wedding videos right now. I'm probably going to go back. Making, making movies, and the movie I worked on called Night of Cups is now out in theaters, so you should go watch it. All right, Peter. What's up, everybody? I'm Peter Dancy, uh, also in Houston, though born in San Antonio, because my dad was in the Army, so I moved around a lot, met all of these lovable assholes. <laughs> also in Texas, yeah, this is basically a big-ass reunion of college, yeah. and I love every moment of it. Yeah, big, big <laughs> college reunion. <laughs> awesome. Sean, you're up. Hi, I'm Sean. Uh, I'm last third year law student uh, in, in Austin, Texas, about to become a lawyer, I guess, in a few months, which is kind of terrifying. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, as a third year law student, I basically live like a retiree, so I get to see all these movies, which is great, because I love movies. <laughs> it's like there's an old folks home, but it's like populated entirely by like law students who just don't give a shit anymore. He's like, where's my money? I should be making money already. <laughs> I need to be like 
I don't know, screwing all these kids in the place of all these priests or helping them screw all these kids so I can make all that money. <laughs> we know you'd do it, Sean. We know you would. <laughs> Topical. Okay, that was a little too harsh. Sorry, Sean. And next up we have Trevor. Hey, everybody. I wait tables oh, and I read the oh, there he is. that kind of sums me up at the moment. Trevor, give, me a, give us a better introduction. Come on. Tell us about uh, your That's about it, self. man. <laughs> do I need to make my own WWE intro for Trevor because it's so quiet? We just need to do it for ourselves. I always bump it up. <laughs> Did y'all not hear me? I'm sorry. <laughs> that's most Trevor. Like <laughs> what you, what you, the Trevor. listener needs to know is that unfortunately every day I spend at least you know a half hour bumping up Trevor's audio levels in audacity <laughs> because he talks so quietly like this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm right in the mic. What do you want? <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> All right, and who else is in the chat? Is that it? Is that <laughs> I, I think we'll left for today, unfortunately. All right. Well, I'm. My yeah, name is the Jack. Newman. Will might be around somewhere. Yeah, he's haunting he'll, our he'll chat. I can see like a like another person in the chat. It's like that terrible uh, Skype movie, whatever. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, hello. My name is Jack Newman, and I'll be your host for the Movie Gang Podcast. I am a simulation and technology expert from uh, that works at. Uh, Wedding photographer and videographer, and today we are going to have be talking about the Oscars with this uh, again lovable gang of assholes. All right, first up, we wanted to talk a bit about point counterpoint and talking about the overall feel of the awards ceremony this year. And obviously, we can't necessarily separate it out from the accusations of racism and the other thing going on there. So we thought we'd go ahead and talk about the overall feel and and how it went about uh, talking about it. So first up for counterpoint today, we have Sean Solis. Sure. Yeah, so I thought the, the whole Oscars So White uh, and Chris Rock's discussion of that predominated the Oscars. You know, it, it, it went on far too long, you know, from the opening to the closing. And literally every skit he did kind of brought that back in. And kind of my biggest, uh, other than the fact that it, you know, went on too long, I thought there was a valid point to be made. But, you know, kind of when you look at uh you know diversity in the film industry it's actually pretty representative to what uh you know minority percentages are in like the u.s population so like percentage of african americans in like films who get speaking roles is i think around 13 percent which is about what you know what they make up in the population and i think if you look at other professions like you know my profession the legal profession african americans are only like three percent of partners at firms so it's like it seems to me that while it's a valid point, I think there are bigger problems out there, and it seemed like it was just kind of a, you know, it, 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 it took it a little too far, I think, and so that was probably my biggest my biggest opposition to it. Tell us how you really feel, Sean. <laughs> um, <laughs> counterpoint to that, I would say, to some extent, it's hard for me to to not disagree with you on a level about the extended part of the Oscars. As somebody who really cares about these awards and cares about then the outside of the awards, including director, I would agree with the public's outrage to some extent, but only in the top categories, specifically those that talk about actors and the best picture. I think that's the issue is that people are looking at those categories because outside of those categories, the Oscars are incredibly diverse with both women as well as um, Inaratu winning, I think, is that two or three? I don't, I don't know. 
you have cinematographer. Yeah, oh, was two. Two, yeah, it was two yeah. straight. Cinematographer, uh, yes. cinematographer who was with um, him as well on both those movies just Lubezki. won three. Yeah, he won. Yeah, Lubezki Lubezki just won three, which I so have a lot to say about. <laughs> we'll, we'll get there. I know. I know. We'll get Andrew, to it. We'll get to it. <laughs> I lost that one too. I know. The point is, is that for me, it's hard to call classify the Oscars as. Um, racist to any extent because in the categories that I care about but at the same time we have to understand that people are looking at different categories and different things so to some extent saying that um, having a talk in the Oscars was probably appropriate I did agree with you probably Sean in that it would have been better to say it once and say it very well opposed to making the whole event kind of like parceled with it through it felt like it's like, yay, look how cool we are type of deal. It's, it, it, I felt like it was like a granddad essentially talking down, not talking down to me, but trying to convince me of something through the whole thing. And I think it may have been not, I don't know, not overblown to some extent, but it definitely felt. I think it just made him look worse. If, if, I, yeah. if I could speak to that about, about um, <clears throat> excuse me, about, about how it should have been said once, I feel that, I feel that to that point, Chris Rock didn't necessarily do a good job because I, I feel that there were three people who said it a hell of a lot better. Um, Carrie Washington before 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 the Oscars started, when she, before the Oscars even started, when she was doing a, when she was doing a pre-show interview about about how yes, um, she admi- she admires people like Jada Pinkett Smith and uh, Jada Pinkett Smith uh, boycotting the Oscars and how but how she still feels that there should be there should be have, there should be people at both sides both sides those who aren't there those who are there to have that conversation to and then also Kevin Hart. Who, 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 essentially called out like all actors and actresses of color, not just those who are black, and said, "Yes, we see you. Don't don't feel that you're being completely ignored because because we know that you're doing a job, and, and, and we and we hope that you continue to do so." And every time I and I, every time I want to say I say her name, I, I always forget the, the president of the president of the Academy uh, when she came out and spoke, and she, and yes, she brought up how uh, Cheryl Moon Isaacs. Thank you, thank you. Uh, she brought up how. Um, Yes, the, yes, the Academy itself will, will, take, will make strides to have more diversity in who chooses nominees for the various categories. But she also put it up to Hollywood as a whole with how they should all, with how everyone uh, should take active roles in, try, in, in trying to bring more diversity into whatever films are made. So like who's casted, who's directed, who's producing dis- distri- distribution. So I feel that those three right. made... I, I feel that those three, what, 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 what they had to say was better than what Chris Rock was trying to say in like his little bits here and there throughout the show they they yeah. they to me when you put them all together did a better job of that i, I would argue chris, i would agree uh, with pete go ahead ben um, i think chris rock had an interesting angle to it which he was coming at in a very angry cynical way and i do think it is interesting though i do think at a certain point it did feel like when he made one line i can't remember which line in particular uh you could hear a hush throughout the audience and this kind of weird nervous laughter and I think I wanted more of that and it just felt like as the night went on it almost felt like oh, Hollywood was like yeah we are racist but we're not going to change um, it definitely had that sort of angle to it after a while but I think the more subver- the most interesting subversive thing he did was when he went to Compton and he was interviewing people coming out of the movie theater and they said have you seen Bridge of Spies? Have you seen Martian? Have you seen this? And like, oh. I've never heard of those movies. I don't know what those movies are. Can and I thought it was very interesting because it kind of speaks to, A, representation in movies and the kind of movies that audiences see or not see. And also to see Oscars in general. I mean, it's interesting that Spotlight is the third, I just checked today, it's the third lowest 
earning Best Picture winner ever mm-hmm. under Birdman and Hurt Locker, which both <laughs> came out very recently as well. So you're seeing this sort of transition where very low earning movies that very few people see don't win Oscars or win Oscars rather and these bigger movies don't and that's also probably why the Oscars are probably the lowest rated they've ever been as of this Oscar telecast. Partially it's also just television just falling apart but I think it is very interesting that it's not just diversity you're also seeing just a nicheification of industry which is why I think there needs to be more diversity. I think there are new elements where you're seeing Spanish films and you're seeing black audience films and you're seeing other films that are creating something very interestingly in sort of lower budget films that are finding a very, very big audiences like Straight Outta Compton did, like Creed did. And so I, I think I that's disagree where we need to see more of the change in the industry more than just... Uh, yeah, the Oscars themselves. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that point, and I think that's the thing is, like, you can look at it from different angles and judge different parts of this. I definitely, like, you know, because we see this in a thing, and you talk about the Oscars, like, representing the country to some extent like because and i'm going to bring up a little bit of a point too and it's i'm going off john oliver here that said uh, and he quoted ridley scott a while ago he's like i simply can't do a, a like a 200 million dollar movie with with uh, muhammad so-and-so when he was talking about exodus um when he was talking about the movie exodus because you know in terms of whitewashing it oh, and yeah. i think that the oh, point yeah. that, that was yeah, he made that offender, it's, yeah. it's an incredibly racist quote and i think he must have done it offhandedly is all i can think because it's <laughs> It's terrible, um, especially it's funny calling too, him Muhammad Tanked, so even with this. It was so bad. <laughs> right, as no, did Gods but, of Egypt, which mm. also had a whitewash. I am so but glad that... Wait, has it tanked? Did Gods of Egypt tank? Yeah, it only made like oh, $14 yeah. million. Holy crap. Oh, I was like, so pissed. At least domestically, it it's doing okay in like Russia, of all things. I don't know why. <laughs> Russia loves it. I don't know why. Russian <laughs> <are racist>. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Well, the thing for me, even with that, is it's less about uh, who you see on screen as much as what stories are being told. I mean, even Inartu doesn't tell stories that you would necessarily think of necessarily reflecting, like, um, a Mexican immigrant. But I don't know that he's... Uh, that's re- yeah, yeah none like, that he's done recently. Uh, yeah. He used to, like, with, yeah. with Amaris Peros, I think. But, yeah, none, not for right. a or, or yeah, revenue. Mm-hmm. And just that it's less likely that that is what he would become known for, that that kind of story could have that kind of mainstream success is more for me the issue, I think. So one of the things that I thought was most kind of disappointing about the Oscars was that moment where they brought out, like, the three Chinese kids who are apparently from PwC. Yeah, that was... Oh, God, that was awful. Yeah, I think that's the thing. They... no, well, I just feel like that's the thing is like they didn't – it felt like they like were trying to figure out how not to be racist and they got like a whole bunch of ideas in a room. Like they went and had a crazy brainstorm and they threw everything at the wall. And then like they have some good moments and like like Peter was talking about in terms of like the, the director coming out and talking about it. And I thought the thing is like her direct response was all I really needed to hear. And then there were the, just these straight up racist little bits all the way through. <laughs> like in, in opposition of you, Ben, I really didn't like – I really, really did not like when they went – when the subversive thing that Chris Rock did and was talking at the movie theater. Like I thought it was edited in such a way to yeah. make yeah, African-American yeah, people seem there. like they don't go see movies. Right. right, and I think it's a fair that some mm. people said it was like – I think maybe Peter, you said this. Or, or something yeah, Peter brought that, that point like up too. Every – let's find the crazy black guy to put on the news bit. Oh, seen, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like and I could definitely see that angle. That's just what that what that whole video. That's how I felt. It's like you, like really, Chris Rock. You as a black comedian, you as a black comedian, feel that you're doing black people any kind of favor by going by going out and finding black people who have not seen any movies at all except for Straight Outta Compton. <laughs> Fair enough. 
Yeah, of know. course that individual's like it. Of course, like his skew, his like view is skewed, and that's the thing. Is like, but there are absolutely people of every race that have not that aren't plugged into Oscar season. Like, I don't even think right. like we yeah. we are movie people, and we didn't see everything that's at the Oscars. It's just not possible, and I think that's the thing. Is like. I think that there there is an there is an underlying like bit of like I think the for me the only times the Oscars were racist and when is when they were trying to not be racist <laughs> like like it's I think like before like I was upset with everybody it's like I think the existing problem is not the Oscars so much as the fact that they're picking from a pool that's inherently racist exactly. in terms of a that's problem with Hollywood with the, when it started last mm-hmm. year with Selma it's like it's not but so then, much that Selma didn't get nominated it's that Selma yeah. shouldn't be the only film that we're looking at to get nominated right. exactly right and 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 I think that's the issue is like you know it's it points out like at the worst people attack the wrong person but then the wrong person that got attacked ended up being <laughs> racist for it I think that's that's the issue that's happened well and it was just is, so is my, black and white you know it's like there was no talk of Latinos or Asian I mean Asian yeah. Uh, yeah. immigration into this film is terrible and you know gay lesbian disabled like there's so many other elements to go well we we that, had carol know? i mean we had carol and the danish girl um right and, and the that's, danish and that's, girl and was played by a non-transgender actor no and a transgender no no, no. Actress I, I agree with that like, there's, not, like, there's less representation a transgender performer who could have performed <sighs> it and end up getting invited there were certainly elements of people all across the board getting shafted but it was very black or white do you At think Eddie Redman? Do you think Eddie Redman was wrong for playing that role then? No, I mean I, I kind of go back and forth by the transgender actor thing, but I think you definitely had Maya Taylor, who I think from Tangerine was one of the best supporting actresses of the year, who got shafted. And I think it's completely ridiculous that we had a nominee who's transgender, one of the song actresses who didn't get to perform because she's not as famous as Sam Smith, who gave on this boring performance, whatever. <laughs> All of that swaying. All yeah. that's way. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! All right, All right. that's such an upset. If, if everyone's okay with it, we're gonna go ahead and move on. I think that's enough time for just this bit about um, t- looking at the overall performance and talking about it. I want to talk. I want to go ahead and talk, and I don't necessarily want to move on. We don't have enough time today to talk about every individual Oscar that came out, but I want to talk about people looking at trends in the Oscars that you think is going to affect the film industry and looking at specific things to coming up with in terms of like what's new that's going to come out from this and looking at like what's popular in the Oscars and how that might affect the film industry for me specifically. And I know that Ben and a couple other people agree with me on this. I was both shocked and I, I'm going to say this. I got um, for the VFX uh, award. I got it right that it was an ex machina yeah. over the other. That's amazing. Yeah. Good job, yeah. And, that and that's the thing. That was a big shock. Well, no, I, I still need I, to see Ex Machina. I, I bet Favorite with my heart about this, and that's what the thing is. It is a $15 million um, visual effects budget mm-hmm. post winning over $200 million visual effects um, budgets in other movies. And the thing that I want to point out here is I think that it says, and again, you can talk about the Oscars and whether or not they're directed at all, but I think it says to some extent that individuals are looking at movies and looking at them and, and the visual effects category is going in, in a direction that suggests that we're looking at good use of visual effects that is motivating the story or plot of the film. Like and in, like it has to be inherent to the film and the subject. Like what and it's not about creating a world and making it unbelievable and filling the background with it. As most movies do, you have characters in the foreground and they see all this swirling visual effects around them. It's not about being able to create that. It's about being able to create subtle visual effects that help the story along. And that's the thing is because the visual effects is as much a character in Ex Machina as anything else because the weirdness of Alicia of Vikander's performance in that film is enhanced 
by the way her character design is put out and it, it actually in, informs the story as a whole about his attraction to her and it, it ties back into like him and like the performance and like how it's going about um, suggesting that like he becomes infatuated and was made to be infatuated with her so in terms of that I think is the is the Oscars from that experience uh, from that expectation going in a direction where they're saying the visual effects has to be well used as well as as opposed to flashy, is which is the long winded version of saying what do you guys think? No, I, I definitely agree. I think it is very impressive that something has the best visual effects versus the most visual effects. Not that I didn't love visual effects in Star Wars or uh, Mad Max, but it is very much like said, visual effects telling the story. And, Not Mad Max. Uh, creating not a, Mad Max. A visual, visual not Mad Max, more Ben. Than just computer generated images. <laughs> not Mad Max, Ben. <laughs> They're more than just computer generated images. You knew that's where this was going, um, Jack. But uh, you uh, set him up. Ex Machina, like you said, had a CGI character that was very much an integral right. part of the story. Which it, you know, I don't think either the Dawn of the Planet of the Apes movies one, which is terrible. terrible because that is all about creating this mm-hmm. emotion driven through CGI. And absolutely, I think should have won if it hadn't. I, I seem to recall yeah. one of them at least not winning, which is crazy to me. But, but like you said, I hope that is an example of whether or not it split the vote or whatever happened. It's yeah. great that it, no, it, I think that's the that's agreement. That. I want it to be the direction things are heading, but again, you explained to me most likely, and I actually would like you to explain to our viewers if you're willing, Ben. Well, yeah, well, what, what, what I said vote. to Jack was that like I think a lot of people might have voted for either Ben Max or Star Wars because they both thought those are the very yeah, pretty movies of the year. Boat. And then Ex Machina kind of slipped in. Mm-hmm. But even if it did, I don't think people care. It's just it's still a visual idea of like, hey, you're, for your $50 million movie, you can still win an Oscar. It's kind of yeah. crazy. In it was definitely in the nomination fee. With that low a budget could win. In. Or could right. even be a would, part of the category. Like yeah, Moon win back in 2009 for $5 million. Like, that looked amazing. Yeah, the visual yeah. effects. You know, there's some really, really, really amazing stuff done in some of the smaller budget films. Absolutely. So, so my, I, I was really happy with the decision uh, that that uh, Ex Machina won uh, the visual effects award. I think what the best thing about that, you know, and you're kind of getting at this point, Jack. Um, the whole movie was about kind of the humanity of you know these androids, and you had kind of the visual effects not only playing into that but kind of rebutting that idea because the only reason you wouldn't know that they were human was you know the excellent use of the visual effects. So it was a really kind of interesting thing that they were okay. doing, kind of and a I, dichotomy that they were creating in the viewer's mind, and I thought it really worked well. I think that the, my only point here is I hope it's just a whole step away from like the George Lucas, and I know I want to crap on George Lucas some, but even in certain things like like the Wachowski brothers, like with Jupiter Ascending, like, you know. Oh, Jesus. Had, yeah, I know, but it was just it's this whole thing about filling the background and not, and not motivating. Like the story could have been told in any other time because it's, it's a very simplistic story, but it, it doesn't, there's such a detach between the visual effects and the world and what's going on, on and like what's going on between the characters. And I think that's the thing is, I think that I think the VFX category should not be just about like who has the best because then you know it's a money game. It's about good use of it. One thing I thought was really exciting that I don't know if it will change anything, but it's a very interesting win. Another surprise of the night was Mark Rylance winning over yeah. Sylvester Stallone. Yeah, I think it was very two very interesting things, which is saying, hey, just because someone you think is going to win a Legacy Award doesn't mean necessarily they are, and B, it's an extremely subtle performance compared with every other. Even Mark Ruffalo, who gets a very subtle performance we'll talk about, he gets that one big Oscar clip moment we've all mm-hmm. seen a million times. Of, it's so good. They knew Robbie. You know, we've seen it a million times, and it works in the movie, <laughs> but you've seen it, like, a billion everywhere because it's the only Oscar-y moment. So I think it's kind of cool that we're now getting to a stage where it's like, 
hopefully it means that like really really subtle toned down quiet performances might be more recognized because often it is the more well, loud I, screamy big moments the Al Pacino but, and Scent of a Woman legacy award go ahead, out at the go Oscars ahead. though because I really think that Leonardo DiCaprio won his Oscar more as a legacy and less for his actual True. performance <laughs> in The Revenants so I, I mean while it'd be kind of nice for the, oh, the, the Academy Agreed. to move away I, from legacy awards and uh, you clearly had a great career you've never won one here let's give you one for performances that really aren't as good as some of the previous performances of that actor or actress um well that's where i'd like them to be moving to they kind of did both in the same show no it's true and you also had the uh, alicia vikander winning the you had a great year award like right. did we all really like danish girl that much but she's so great <laughs> right exactly. she's such a great actress it's like, yeah, I, yeah, I thought she won for the wrong movie. Movie. i don't understand why she wasn't nominated okay for all right, right, right. we're getting that, out of but... control andrew what's up you were saying something <laughs> oh i was well specifically about alicia vikander i i i yeah, I, I think she definitely should have won for Ex Machina, not for the Danish girl. I do think exactly, she was in that and that's another good example reason. of the, the canon being stuck in their ways. You you win for historical <laughs> biopic, you don't win for robot movie. Yeah, you know? <laughs> for acting. Yeah, <laughs> that's. I mean, but that's very true. And I think that's the thing is like people like make fun of Leo not winning and winning for this for like for the Revenant, and that's the point is like he's been in better roles, he's been in better movies, he's. He's deserved it more in different situations. And I think that's the issue is that a lot of people feel that the, the Oscars are political. And I think that might have been what led to such a charged atmosphere about the, the concerns about racism is because it doesn't appear to be a vote. It doesn't really seem to represent the public or anyone directly. And I think that's the thing is it's it's it's, it's, its own thing. And I think that's the thing is the columns around it. Like, no one <laughs> says, oh, what was the best movie? What do you think the Oscars are going to think this year? No, it's like, oh, well, what do you think? Like, you know, I don't – I look at what the politics in the Oscars are to try to figure out, like, what's going to win. And it's a totally different thing because, like, I don't think Spotlight should have won Best Picture. I mean, I think it's an absolute fantastic movie. And, like, as a former journalist, like, I, it really speaks to me. But, like, at the same time, I think, like, you know – saying the Oscars represents what people or what is even a good vote is I don't think that's true. How much do you, does anyone agree or disagree? I mean, I put, I think the thing about spotlight is very interesting. I think it won because of preferential voting, which just to explain real quick is, um, instead of just whoever wins a popular vote or whoever gets the most votes, the way preferential voting works is that, uh, you rank your choices from one through eight. And then if, say, your number one choice, like mine, is Room, and it gets eliminated, my number two choice is Mad Max, it would have gone to the Mad Max pile. If Mad Max loses, it goes into the Spotlight pile, which is my number three, et cetera, et cetera. And so I think Revenant was probably more number ones, if I would guess, but it's also probably a lot of eights. Like, I heard a lot of people being like, I hate this movie, I hate everything about it, I hate people talking about it all the time. And Spotlight is just a movie I think a lot of people see, and they're I really like it. And it's the same thing. Like, I would have loved to see Room to win. I would have loved to see Mad Max win. It would have been a lot. But Spotlight's a movie I'm going to look back and go, eh. Or well, worse options. You know, I like that movie a lot, and I'm glad it won. But it's you're right. There's nothing about it that makes me go. Yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. It's a yeah. very good three on that list, and I think yeah. that's why it won. It's a very like you're like oh man, like cause I bet it's like one of those things you're probably looking at Mad Max is like does it really deserve it? And you're looking at all these other things like I can see the situation thinks. that uh, well, we know, but so, like let's not let's count that out for a second because so I I actually um, think that uh, Spotlight deserved to win Best Picture. Um, just if you if you stack up all the other movies that came out this year, 
uh, so many of them had to have flaws. Like The Revenant is just not an enjoyable movie straight up. Like it, it's not fun to watch and sit yeah. there for two and a half hours. Um, Spotlight's like legitimately enjoyable. It makes an important political point, um, and it does a really good job of uh, you know having a great cast that that I think all you know no one no one actor really stands out. It, it comes together on the strength of the cast, on the strength of the writing, um, and I legitimately thought it was the you know it was the best the best film that, that came out this year. So do we? It do seems we want, like the. Let me just make this as a as an official thing. Do we kind of want to go ahead and move into discussions? Let, do you want to talk about the best picture thing, and then we'll move into like a general rating of spotlight? I think, I think Trevor had a point. Yeah, well, I just had one other thing to say about the best picture things is that it, 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 we seem to be implying that a better use of the best picture nomination would be to look at something more controversial, like that is more likely to be on either the top of that preferential voting list or the bottom of it, and that spotlight because it tended just to be sort of in the middle or towards the close of the top, that that would may, maybe be the argument for it not deserving that. But, I think more... I mean, it depends on what kind of controversy you're talking about, really. Right, and I think it's more like... Sense. I don't think there's anything there that was like Tree of Life versus the artist. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Tree of Life is going to survive yeah, the was... generation way better than the artist, whether you like Tree of Life or not. You know, I think you can see why, see why yeah. people still acclaim that movie and no one really talks about the artist anymore. I think the artist is one of those ones. Right. Yeah, I liked it. I really liked the artist. It was it's fun. You know, versus a lot of people probably saw Tree of Life and go, screw that movie. I hate it. I won't get anything about it. <laughs> you know, and I don't think that was Spotlight. I think Spotlight is a very, very, very good film, but it is definitely a kind of... Yeah, yeah it's not a film that reaches for... It gets exactly where it's supposed to be. You know what I mean? Like, it gets exactly to what it's aiming to do yeah. and maybe yeah. doesn't get to that huge echelon, but... How many films do Well, I think mm-hmm. for me this year, the cool thing about the big short being in there as well is that it helped show what Spotlight did really, really, really well, which is take a boring subject and make it super freaking interesting. <laughs> and I think that's the success of this film is like it's not a boring subject per se, but the like the day to day work of journalism is can be very, very mind numbing and boring. And it's about going door to door just like they do in the movie. But at the same time, it imbues it with such energy and thought provokingness and, and talking about like the experience and what's wrong. And it it gives it it gives a subject that shouldn't like that shouldn't be that interesting and it makes takes it and uses like the magic of it to make it into such a compelling piece and that's the thing is like i wasn't compelled in big short and i think that's the thing is like big short has an even more like in in a a subject that's i'm even more versed in in terms of like the crash and something that i probably would consider myself more interested in but spotlight in terms of looking at the journalism and everything about it and really talking about the journal because the movie's about the journalism and, and about that to some extent and i think that in that way it's just such a better piece and it compares itself off and lends itself to a comparison in such a way that it makes people go holy crap this film is good um so i think i think that i completely agree with that but i would just make the point that the the biggest problem with the big short is that it's such a complicated you know the the subject matter is so complicated like you're having to explain to the viewer what a collateralized debt obligation is and i'm I'm going to be a securities lawyer for a living and I still had a hard time wrapping my head around like everything no, you know that it's went on. Really, and and that's fair. Like you know, priest, you know, a bunch of the Catholic Church covered up a bunch of rapes versus you know the subdebt prime mortgage. Like 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 it's it's. it's <laughs> I'm not saying the Big Short doesn't have a harder like road to hoe. It definitely does. Like, but the issue is like taking subject matter that might be considered boring and presenting it in such a way as to make it compelling like i might not necessarily have 
understood the big short at all the points but you could have made the um the way it was presented in such a fashion more compelling for me to watch like it's it's true like i didn't even follow like the timeline of events of spotlight because it does it does go over the timeline like very very well i can't name back to you the timeline of exactly exactly what happened and where it is and where they broke the case and that sort of thing like i, I just can't because i can't remember all the elements of it but i know what happens and i know what's happening basically in the big short as well and it doesn't present it in such a way I think to make that- it as interesting I think that where Spotlight really succeeds is standing on the writing, and there's a reason it won an Oscar for its script. Um, the The way that that film is written uh, allows you to sink into the story in a way that gets you completely engrossed. Um, I really appreciated the moments where, whereas a lot of movies would have chose to take um, on conflict, uh, specifically it's the scene they showed at, during the Oscars um, where you have... Um, you know, the reporter come in essentially presenting information that uh, I know that you knew about this. You've written a story about this crisis, you know, 10 years ago. Uh, why didn't you do anything more? And instead of having a big scene of confrontation, they simply just let it ride, um, making it a really, it's a powerful but mellow moment. And I think that's really where Spotlight succeeds is that it doesn't have to go for, um, it, it doesn't, it it pulls its punches. Um, it doesn't necessarily hit all the hard moments as much as it, as it could, but it chooses to let it be subtle. And I, I really think that's where that movie um, thrived. Aside from the fact that I really think that they nailed the journalism process. And yeah, sometimes there's lulls. And sometimes the uh, the story doesn't progress as quickly. So you have moments yeah. in the film where you're liter- you, you can feel the way the journalist would have felt working on the story, where things have slowed and things get frustrating and you're, it's a long waiting game and then suddenly you speed it right back yeah. up and you've got Mike, Mike Ruffalo running to the courthouse to go pick up documents. That's what it feels like. And suddenly it's September 11th and you're screwed because like, that's the only story that's going to be on anyone's news radar. Like I think it, it nailed it. It, I do, uh, it. it absolutely nailed every element of it and maybe that's why I enjoyed – I probably think that's why I wouldn't necessarily – I think I enjoyed it more than the average viewer was because I have a back knowledge of some yeah. of the things and both you and me studied this, Bobby, to some extent. Like I think that like watching somebody be masters of the craft and understanding that the masters and the doggedness of how it's doing and like suffering through the process, I think it's, well, I think it's extra enjoyable for me and you and I think that's the thing is I'm taking a step back from it and saying like but is this necessarily I, I an just, enjoyable process for everyone in the same way because it is a movie about people running door to door I can't speak to if non-journalists would enjoy it as much but I think that it really I mean it nailed it I know. as what it is to be a journalist down to the clothes they dress the actors in to the way they cut their hair and giving Ruffalo that terrible terrible haircut to showing the inside of their apartment <laughs> yes, sad and empty and barren they are because they're never home um <laughs> <laughs> to, to <food>. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone is now looking at Bobby's feed to see how sad like, and barren her apartment is. I think Sean has the more barren apartment, so I think lost. But it's like even down to the way that they showed, like you know, like the things they ate and drank in the film. I mean, it's just these really subtle moments that I think yeah. that they must have spent a lot of time consulting with the actual journalist who worked on the original story, which shows in the script and shows in the final product that they did their homework. Yeah.
Well, you you can see in the background the story like a, like if you look at like that like a lot of guys came up and were talking about this movie after the fact like the both the Va- like both the Vatican and some other people and they were talking about how they were presented in the story and the journalist came out and almost immediately defended saying like yeah they did not want it to happen they were protecting the school they said all this negative stuff and like they were like you can tell like the person was just right there with the individuals and, and definitely was going to get their physical story like this I think that's the thing that was really did shock me is it it's not a story about victims it's not a story about the actions it really is a story about journalism it's and I think that's probably why I love it so much right right and I think one thing that's very impressive about the film I mean one thing is, is interesting is Tom McCarthy who also made The Cobbler this year very fascinatingly I know right uh, please everyone see The Cobbler it's so weird it's so terrible and it's so fascinating but um, oh when you put it that he, way he did all his own research he based there was no book about these guys he basically had to go yeah. to all these journalists and do kind of his own journalism and talk to the people yeah. and re tell a story like how'd you find this part out how do you do this part so it is a journalist story about journalism i think the interesting thing about it is it is so bare bones like the closest thing you can think you can compare it to is um all the president's yeah. men all the president's the men still comparison has. a lot of people have been drawing it's yeah. a very obvious one because it's so like journalism focused yeah. and trying to cover a conspiracy but that one also has like a william goldman script and like you know the kind of 70s paranoid thriller well it's a lot more theatrical a little bit more too. of a exactly it's a lot more and william goldman's this amazing writer he's like you know not as punchy as aaron sorkin but you know much punchier mm-hmm. than tom mccarthy was and i think it's the interesting thing about this is when you get amazing lines like it doesn't take it takes a village to raise a child it also takes one to abuse one they really stick out in your mind and they actually uh, yeah. feel like real moments you know rather than aaron sorkin as much as i love the man it's like every single line is like everyone had five weeks to come up with that line versus this one where it's like right. every once in a while someone just have that perfect way of analyzing that situation and it really right. sticks with you right i think that's i think it's amazing <laughs> <laughs> I, I think back to the deservance of the Oscars and kind of talk about it. It's about what you want to see in terms of that. And a lot, as much as we say, like we talk about, like we wanting the Oscars to represent people and represent the mainstream public to some extent. I think too, like it's a better movie than you than you want. And I think that like where I disagree and like where I unfortunately agree with Bobby a little bit about Mad Max is as much as I like Mad Max. I don't necessarily th- think I would have wanted it. I, I actually, I disagree. Like, if Mad Max had won Best Picture, I would have been so shocked. I just would have been happy about it just because, like, <laughs> it had just been absolutely so shocking. But I don't necessarily see wanting it wanting to win versus a film like this. I like that the Oscars don't do things that are representative of the public and what p- people saw. I like mm-hmm. that they pick things out of kind of nowhere and kind of represent something that might be subtle. And, and as much as, like, Mark Rylance, I like you know, Ben like that Mark Rylance is one for his subtle performance. Mark Ruffalo was absolutely amazing. Well, he's fantastic. Oh, if he had won too, that would have been great. And he would yeah. have won. No, yeah, he he had a, he was deserving. And I think that's and a, not no offense to uh, Kevin Costner, um, but like I, he's doing his like sturdy like I don't know kind of like father figure thing which is kind of his thing and he, and he fills right into that role but it's less it's less transformative to some extent than than ruffalo you, like he's not that character like he if you go and like google the guy and you're like holy crap like is that mark ruffalo no because you know is, or is that mark ruffalo playing the guy like he investigated the individual he, he took out the performance and he, and he found in the guy's an oddball and he represented that to such an extent and and and, and and lived in that character and I think to some extent that's like what 
I want to see is like more of these roles and like and and I and I know that like you know, people are like oh yeah you know he he's shouty like we always give it to the people that are shouting. I disagree. I think I like this performance because it's it's not necessarily subtle, but at the same time it imbu- it, it actually truly embodies the characters with the best of the abilities. Well, I think I think it's a subtle performance. He just gets that moment, which works so well in the film because it's literally about right. patience. The, right. the entire film is we have the story, we can publish it at any time, but if we don't nail it 100%, it's not going to stick. We've done this before. If we don't right. wait till the exact right moment, we have the exact right story, it's not going to stick, and this has to stick. We can't let this happen anymore. And so it works in that you know that that moment when he is like you know, come on, people, this is. Children, like this is still happening. We have to stop it now, you know. And you get the frustration. It's just unfortunate. It's the only clip you see. If you it haven't is. Seen the it film, is. You know? Yeah, I definitely but, would have picked a different showcase clip for that performance. I, I thought that was the most showy bit, and it, yeah. I think it's, it wasn't really. It wasn't a good example of I think his range. So no, I, I like that. Uh, one thing I want I just don't think that like. You know, I, I mean, I agree with him. Like, you know, I think you go off what I think people are judging it based upon the performance, and I think that's good. Like, what do you show at the Oscars? Is and like that's not representative of the performance, and I would agree with that. Like, I, I wouldn't have ever called him shouty. I think he gets he gets emotional with the moments, but I think that it is still a subtle performance. I mean, that, that was a good category this year. Yeah. Like, let's yeah. just be honest about that. Like, it was a good category, and not no offense to Stallone, but I just don't think he deserved yeah. it for that role and i li- and i liked creed a lot but i just uh, i liked and i think i liked it and i love i actually think it needed to be there for some more camera work actually because that that four minute fight scene where it's just like the camera's in the ring and moving around and having people at stock positions it's a really cool shot and then, and, it, and it's not very complicated but like it was still it still had some um, some good camera work and um, yeah, yeah right i just Ryan don't think Coogler it and uh, his dp are definitely some of my snubs I know. Yeah. I just think it didn't need to be there for any of the acting roles. Yeah, I, I don't would think... have had Michael B. Jordan, but I mean, I, I, I'm kind of iffy on. I like Michael B. Jordan a lot. Uh, I, I didn't. I didn't. Like, like, I don't know. I didn't. I didn't like the performance. I, I'm sorry. I didn't like Rocky's performance either. And like, he yeah. is yeah. so the character that you know we call him Rocky, and you know exactly <laughs> who it is. Like, he is that character. Like, I don't think he lives in his skin. Like, to some, to, like, to such an extent. He's, he's beyond it, yeah. You call, him either, thing I, you, call, you call Stallone either Rocky or Rambo, let's be honest. He is not himself. He's ever. He is never himself. And that's, 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 I mean, in terms of, like, ancient action heroes, but as well as somebody that just, like, I mean, there's some something about him that he was so, like, he's he's limited in such an extent, like, he, you know, he has, he has, like, um, we're not going to get into a discussion about him. What, what oh, well, I don't think anyone. I don't think anyone walked out of the movie theater after seeing Creed and was like, "Yeah, Sylvester Stallone deserves to win Best Supporting Actor this year." You know, yeah. <laughs> the Academy did point, until yeah. the very end. I don't know what happened, but like, he got a standing ovation. Yeah, he wanted the Golden Globes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I was right. That surprised um, me. So I had a, I had a question for us to go off of, which I'm curious. Uh, so Spotlight famously. Or so, I guess not famously, but we've got to go down history this way. Only won two Oscars, including Best Picture. First time since 1953 that happened. And so I do think it's interesting when I talk about subtlety, you are looking at director goes to The Revenant, which is right. very 
big. We shot in the wilderness and in the mm-hmm. winter and everything. Yeah. And then, like, uh, um, acting, like we said, it's a lot of subtle performances. Mine's that one Osprey clip. And, you know, it's more of an ensemble movie. So do you really give it to Ruffalo or Leah Schreiber? There's so many great performances in that movie. And then, you know, you get into, like, cinematography. It's very kind of simply shot. Editing, it's very simply edited. So it's sort of this thing of, like, as much as I think subtlety is there, you're also seeing, like, it probably lost a lot because it isn't as showy. So yeah. I'm curious if you guys feel that way or why you think Spotlight only had two wins yet still won this picture. Because Spotlight's a good put-together film, but it doesn't – it's not exemplary in a lot of its categories. Like, it's just not. Yeah, I'd like, agree with that. It doesn't really it's stand not a, out in anything mm-mm. other than maybe just overall it's quality story. and then writing. Like, yeah, for script and writing and, and that. But I wouldn't say its direction is very great. I wouldn't yeah, say... See, I would say the direction is good, but it's only cinema. because the acting is so good. It's good. Think, no, no, exactly. I mean, we it's often acting. forget the acting as direction. I do, but I understand with direction I you want Coogler, too. I appreciated like I said, Spotlight so. winning yeah. Best Picture because yeah. I find it to yeah. be a very accessible film. It's a film that a lot of people could watch and enjoy, as opposed to a lot of the other films that were in the category that are not accessible to most people. The Revenant is a unpleasant movie going experience similar to room um i mean they both are just they're jack you love uh, it's just, andrew you love drive we, they're not you, know, films you like dark violence but you know <laughs> spotlight is a film that anybody could watch and pretty much anybody could get and enjoy um and i think that while the I really, I strongly disagree with you, Bobby. Yeah, I don't know if I, <laughs> I, 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 I will not be able to get through. Can I say before Jack talks? I will agree with I will agree with what Bobby said because for me, at you least, can't win. I will always talk first. No, but for, for me, for me, um, for, for me, like y'all, like y'all have known me for 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 several years now like action and superhero movies are like basically my bread and butter but when i was watching spotlight i mean i mean yes for, i mean yes for me because of that it took like maybe like a good 45 minutes for me to like really get into the film for me to like really for me to, to really really click for me but i still really enjoyed the film because it wasn't the revenant which was tough as hell to watch to to make it through but for, for, but for me, because like, it, 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 it did feel accessible for me to say, okay, I can watch this movie, I can enjoy it, I can, I can, I can fully appreciate the story and the, and the acting quality that is being presented. I completely agree with that. Um, even, I'm not a journalist myself, but, um, you know, it's, it was just such a compelling story. Like, I would, I, you know, it's, it's similar in my mind. I don't think it's as good as the Shawshank Redemption, but I think it's similar to the Shawshank Redemption in that it's, it's we're telling a story about an experience that most people don't live, but the story is told in a way that, you know, the average viewer can kind of relate to what's going on and can kind of get behind it. Um, and I think that was the strength of the movie. And I completely agree with Bobby that, like, you know, the issue with The Revenant and Room is that you leave the theater and, you know, your your day is ruined, unfortunately. <laughs> Just because there's so I don't, there's I, such right, downers. I, 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 I didn't want to interrupt You guys are comparing The Revenant and Spotlight here and saying Spotlight's, oh, happy-go-lucky. I failed to get both my sisters, uh, two of my friends, as well as my girlfriend to watch this movie. because we would start, And that's why I've had to watch it, like, five minutes before this podcast is because, like, I couldn't get people, like, through the first 30 minutes of this film. And I think that you guys, like, this movie is 
there is much more subtle and it doesn't it doesn't give a flash out there and that's the thing is i was invested in this movie but i i definitely observed that <laughs> it's not a fun movie yeah, to watch not, not in the same any. way that the revenant is no. like no. the revenant is physical is, is a little bit i there's a little bit of physical pain torture bit to the revenant that i understand is unpleasant yeah but it's not it's not bad it's it's just it depends, like, what kind of pain and torture you want because the right, film is right. looking at both. Though, in, in I will give you this. Spotlight is definitely, like, more upbeat in terms of, like, it's the good guys getting these bad guys. But it's it's not pleasant by any stretch here, guys. And I think, like, and, and I had, I got, you know, people easier to The Revenant to see Leo's performance. And again, Leonardo DiCaprio, that's all I had to say to get uh, Katie, to, <laughs> Katie to the movie. I don't <laughs> <laughs> it's not even her thing, but I think that's the point is like in terms of like accessibility, like I think that like, you know, the revenant is more accessible. I mean, whether or not well, the end performance leaves you happy or sad, like I think both kind of left you a little bit melancholy. I think the most watchable movie of the year was probably Martian, like whether you like it or not. Yeah. Like, it's just like every year, every year you oh, have yeah. to pick. Yeah, you have to pick as a movie guy, and like people know you're the movie guy. You have to pick like the movie you can tell everybody to go see, whatever. Yep. Is. And Martian is like that's the one. Even my grandma loved The Martian, which I blew yeah. me away. So it's like that's just that's just the most watchable one. So I don't I think, think you're right. It, it's not necessarily always the most watchable. Well, I think movie too, just, Martian probably would have won just because of the subject matter of Spotlight. I mean, I think automatically out of the gate, you've got a lot of people. It's like you know, I go to the movies to be entertained or to just sort of escape you know, the unpleasantness for a few hours. And I, I don't think the first thing you think of is, yeah, I want to see, you know, a movie about, you know, that subject matter. So I, I think that's probably why it's, it's box office numbers were so low. It's just because it's not the kind of movie that you typically go see when you're looking to get away for a few hours. So, no, definitely. And, like, I almost bummed me out. I love Room so much because it's hard to be like, you should go see it. It's about... Um, <laughs> Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Very tough sell. Well, so I, I agree with Andrew, and I think the, I think the reason the box office numbers were lower just the subject matter of the film. But I think like you know you could see a similar effect to what happened with the Shawshank Redemption. Like when it was made, its box office numbers were really low. But if you look at it today, it's the number one highest rated movie on IMDb. Yeah. And it did really really well uh, after the fact. But that was only after you know kind of the word had gotten out about how good the movie was. And even though it is a kind of a prison drama, uh, it kind of appeals to, you know, universal themes that kind of everyone can kind of get behind. So I think, you know, you're, we're going to see as we get further away that, you know, Spotlight's going to do really well. But yeah, it's, it's, it's initially a hard sell to get people to the theaters. I think so, but I do think Spotlight's a little bit less Hollywood-ish than, than, than Shawshank, though I do like Shawshank a lot. Um, despite yeah. its huge overlove, I still like it a lot. Um, but I think Spotlight does end on a very, very interesting note, which is, you know, there isn't like a big thing where they drop it down on the lawyer's desk and the lawyer's like, we did it. Like, the lawyer has a very interesting, they play it really well, which is like, <laughs> I'm glad you guys did tell God, the box of coffee again. Yeah. You can't focus on anything. And it jumped right to Jack, just like, rah, 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 Whatever, Spotlight's good. I forgot my point. <laughs> Sorry, I lost the call there for a minute. I had to go get my coffee um well so i think that's just a, that's a good point jack um in that you know this is the lawyer in me it's like you know the work is never done man like it's, it's a shitty situation all around and you're always gonna have those poor yeah. clients coming in like <laughs> you know yeah. but, kind of the problem with being a public interest lawyer but we love them 
<laughs> I mean, yeah, you love them, but at the same time, you just have to admit that their life is total shit. Right, well, we're all going to share that John Oliver clip and then not fund you guys better. <laughs> That's a, yeah. Man, that got a lot of likes. Too bad it didn't get any money. <laughs> all right. So that's about drawing us close to the one-hour mark. I think we're going to go ahead and close up here a bit. But first up, I want to go ahead and write down. A, we're going to do a 0 to 10 rating of Spotlight, and then we're going to average out to get to the Movie Gang podcast uh, The movie gang podcast rating for Spotlight. So I'm going to give everyone uh, one chance to rate the movie and about 30 seconds to kind of justify your answer. Um, and so up first, we're going to have Andrew. Oh, God. Between 1 and 10? Andrew, what's the scale? Zero to ten. You're gonna rate Zero spotlight. To 10. Oh boy. Um. And I, and I'll give this too. Like I've been pretty brutal because like I gave Star Wars a six and I said it was slightly above average. So I think like. Thanks, friend. I appreciate it. I mean, it just depends on how you do. I know. Like I was. I, it depends how brutal you want to be. I leave everyone to their own judgments of the matter. We understand that it's a stupid way of rating things, but we have to put a score on something. And you know, if if so far, like with everyone kind of averaging out, it kind of usually leads to a pretty good number for the movie. I feel like so. Give us your best shot. Oh man, that's so tough. I gotta go first. Um, I guess I'll preface. It's it's hard because. Okay. Well, we can switch it about. Sorry. Hey Andrew, think about it a minute. You're, this is your first time on the podcast, so we're gonna go to Sean. Okay. Yeah, asshole. I gotta think about this. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, Sean. I, I give Spotlight a nine point seven five, and I know oh, that's wow. really what high. What the fuck? <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Why the fuck are you making me like? I'm the one who does math. What happened? <laughs> the lawyer can't do integers, and, guys. And well, it's not. I didn't think it was a perfect film, so I saved my tens for perfect film. <laughs> but <laughs> it, it was really, really, really good. It's the best film I think I've seen in probably two years. Um, and I wow. think what made it so oh, good is the you know the first the cast is really great. Like you know, there's no one who kind of stands out. Mark Ruffalo does a wonderful job. Liz Schreiber does a great job as Marty Baron. They all researched their you know the folks they were playing really well and kind of gave convincing performances. And at the end of the day, it was a really impactful message. Like you know when the when the, you know, the screen goes blank at the end and then you see the all the cities where you know this was uh, you know people you know. Kids were getting molested by priests, and it went on for several pages. I, I hadn't kind of felt uh, that kind of an emotion at the end of the movie in a long time, and it really like kind of hit you in the gut there. And uh, it was, I thought it wrapped up, a, wrapped it up really well. So yeah, so nine point seven five. I know it's high, but I, I love the film. It was great. And I'm happy it won this picture. All right, and next up we have Trevor. All right, um, I'll give it a nine out of ten, just because I'm hesitant to say it was perfect. Um, I just think uh, more than anything, what it had going for it is that with such an incendiary issue, like uh, Bobby was saying, it kind of pulls its punches, goes for subtlety, and it could have been a lot more inflammatory and just gone for like really easy moments than it did. And so I really respected it for that. At the same time, I don't think we really talked about this, but with the fact of it being uh, set in journalism pre-internet, there were kind of a lot of like little jokes in there about that that I really appreciated, and it really made me realize just the history of it, where it was coming from. But there's just like one in particular I'm thinking of where there's a frickin' billboard uh, when Mark Ruffalo is standing outside his car that's talking about like <laughs> AOL dial-up or something. Oh yeah, <laughs> AOL just kinda, stay like, broke broke the fourth wall a little bit. So yeah. like that is the only thing I can think of, and I acknowledge that as nitpicky. But I guess if for that no other reason, nine out of ten. Sweet. 
Next up, we have Peter. Uh, okay, um, I'm going to give Spotlight an 8 out of 10. Uh, for me, I, 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 will, I will say that because I'm more of like a casual moviegoer. Like, I, like, uh, movies that usually go for like Oscar Best Picture like are not usually the stuff I go see. For me, I'll give it an 8 because I enjoyed it. But 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 I, but I, but I, I enjoyed it. But at least for me, I can I can understand that there that there were there were definitely parts in the film where I was kind of like, okay, this is moving a little slow for me. Where where is it going to go? But 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 once I but once I really got into the film, like it really it started to I guess pick up. You know, I put that in quotes. Like like that like that's when I really started to enjoy the film, and I and I, and I really I really saw the quality and the acting and the writing and 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 the, sto the story that was being told. Like, like, like as you mentioned earlier, as you mentioned earlier, a story about a story, and so and so that's when I that's when I began to really appreciate uh, what was what was being presented. All right, and then we have Bobby. Oh me. <laughs> okay. Yep. I, I would give you. Spotlight an eight and a half. Um, I thought it was a a really accessible film. I thought it was a really human film. I thought it was a well-told story. And it's one of the few films in the Best Picture category that I felt um, really engrossed in from the beginning. I know some of you guys felt differently, but most of the other movies that I watched from the Best Picture category, I found, found myself at one point or another being pulled out of the film for various reasons. Be it things were overdramatic, uh, there was too much CGI, um, the acting, I didn't, you know, whatever it was, there were various reasons I was pulled out of every single other movie. And this one, I it told the story in a way that I really felt that I could sink into it and stay completely engrossed up until the credits rolled. So, for that reason, I give it an eight and a half. So, for that reason, I give it an eight and a half. Damn! Ben, you're up. Um, yeah, this is, this is a tough one because I think on its ambitions, it's absolutely a 10 out of 10 in that it definitely tries to do exactly what it's trying to do. I can't see it doing better, but I think with my films, I do just tend to rate ambition and, and those scenes that I come back to or those emotional moments. And it, it did leave me cold in a very beautiful, well-done way, but I think it, it's the best movie it could have been, but it's not the best movie for me, I think, in that sense. And yeah. that's why I give it like an 8 out of 10, where it's really good. It's such a good film. I think they did exactly what they wanted to do, but just didn't want to go for those heights. And it's not its fault, but I just think it kind of keeps it from being a masterpiece. All right, and I will give it an 8 out of 10 as well because mine is one of my favorite movies of all time, and 10 is Top Gun, and every other movie can go fuck itself. Wow. <laughs> but seriously, I agree with that. I love... Shout out to Tom I love... I know. Me and Andrew, very happy. Yeah. I think that's the thing. For the movie cast right now, can we all just agree retroactively that Top Gun was a 10? Yeah, absolutely. It's not even... Uh, I reserve nope, my time. Nope, I reserve 10s for Blade 2. It's like a six all jack. That don't agree to that. <laughs> go fuck yourself, Sean. Seriously, of all the best. And I'm usually joking about the go fuck yourself, but this is a serious go fuck yourself. Just next next podcast. Anytime he talks, replace his audio with Danger Zone. And yeah, we need, to, we need to have an episode dedicated just to Top Gun. We got Jack singing on the podcast. It's oh horrible. My God. Oh. Nobody asked for karaoke. No one's gonna listen to this. We got it anyway. <laughs> I came a little listening to my own voice. Um, all right, Andrew, you're up. All right. Um, I, I guess it was it was a good movie. Um, 
looking at what it was trying to do, I mean, obviously the, the filmmakers are very passionate about the subject matter and, and about, you know, trying to raise awareness. Um, just for me personally, I mean, I have a lot of familiarity with, uh, with what went on uh, just because of upbringing. And um, so it wasn't anything that, it, it didn't reveal a whole lot that I didn't already know about the cases. So that's not necessarily a fault of the film. Um, it was definitely tough to sit through. I, I it, it was not what I would say it was a pleasant movie to watch, but I, I do applaud, uh, you know, what what was you know what was trying to be accomplished, and obviously everyone involved um, brought their A game. So uh, I'm torn between seven and a half and eight, uh, probably leaning more towards eight. Um, the other thing too you have to, to realize about me is that I'm I'm a cinematographer, so I always that always colors my ratings for films, um, and I know that's not right, but it, it it that's it's true. I'm thinking a seven point five here, Andrew. Well, it's it's. What's your Roger Deakins uh, gradient scale? Roger Deakins is shooting at this like three. Well, can you go ahead and give me the no numbers so I can do it's math? It's hard because like for a cinematographer, something like Spotlight is sort of their worst nightmare. It's uh, people sitting well, in rooms it is. talking. You don't want to rock that boat. You want to be entirely you in that in that sort of movie. Like you want the cinematography to be almost entirely invisible. And it was, yeah, and right. it, and it was. It did it did exactly what it needed mm-hmm. to do. Yeah, it is not like if somebody was to give me that movie, I would say, well, I'm not shooting for best cinematography awards here. You're not. Yeah. If you yeah. were, if someone did something weird, it'd be so out of place, and everyone would hate yeah, it. Yeah, and, and I and, and uh, I can't remember who I can't remember who the DP was. Um, I think it might have been. Uh, I think his last name's Akata. He's Japanese, but um, I mean, I think with what the script he was given, I think he did, uh, you know, really an amazing job because you know he was hired to, you know, to, to shoot the movie as as straightforward as you know as possible without bringing an unnecessary you know amount of, of you know style to it that would have distracted from the, you know, from the very documentary you know style that they were going for so he did a great job of 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 shooting the film without drawing attention to his work which would have distracted from the story so um yeah i'm I'm gonna i'm gonna give spotlight an eight um obviously you know i I, there were a lot of there was a few other films that i was really pulling for in uh in the best picture category but um yeah i mean yeah i'll give it an eight all right, and if my math is correct, then the Movie Gang podcast for Spotlight gives it an 8.4111110 something bullshit, 8.5. All right. It's probably my so, fault. <laughs> most likely not 7.5. Can we just make a rule that like whole fucking numbers from here on out are whole or a half? Your, I think you should. <laughs> like, fuck, fuck you, Sean. No pitchfork ready over here. No, no half scores. You can't. 9.75? Like, it's like, it's perfect, but not, but like, but like, you know, he has a nose hair out of place in one scene. Yeah. 9.75. It's a legitimate rating. Stop showing your asshole. <laughs> All right. So before we get to the bet of the week and to close out the show, and unfortunately somebody's going to end up closing out the show. God damn it. Um, uh, I want to go ahead and get, set up the next bet. So, Ben, you had an idea for bets this week. And right, for yeah. the record, at this point, we have the past two podcasts. I think we have one point for Sarah and one point for Peter, if I'm correct. Ah! Whoa, no, no, hold on, hold on. Who closed that last podcast? 
Uh, I think Sarah Becker did. Yeah, I think so. Cause yeah, yeah, because yeah, we did the first bet, so this is the technically the second bet. So Sarah is the only one with a point at this point. Okay, cool. So I'm just that's that's yeah, you didn't win shit, Peter. <laughs> damn it! Stop trying to win stuff. God damn it! All right, Ben, your idea. Uh, yeah. So me and my friends like to do this thing where we bet on upcoming big movies, especially superhero movies, are interesting to do uh, for Rotten Tomato scores because they can vary all over the place. We tried to do it with Deadpool. We all got it very wrong. It was way higher than we all expected. But uh, so I thought maybe for Batman vs Superman. I mean, Man of Steel was like a fifty-three. It kind of had this very interesting Rotten Tomato score, and you know, it's these darker movies that kind of try and go for more ambitious. They're not as easy to predict as sort of the Marvel more comedic films. So I think it could be interesting. And I think we should rate it between like a five percent range, so like seventy to seventy-four. So you got like your little range there. You know what I mean? So wait, wait, wait. What do you mean by a five percent range? Part like, because like you have five percent. So like, if you did seventy through seventy-four percent, so you'd have like seventy, seventy-one, seventy-two, seventy-three, okay, yeah, seventy-four. Yeah. So if any of those, you'd win. Well, so everyone's gonna pick five percent. Yeah, they're five percent yeah, range. So I'm gonna say, uh, since since this is my idea. No, um, I'd say uh, seventy-five through eighty. Or yeah, right here. All right, um, but then then no one else can pick like through that range right so i guess that's the question is who okay. can pick which one not, when you know but you see, because agree you or, went you know, how about everyone ben, just say a fair. number and then whoever got closest yeah, to that because, number like, you want to do that you're, you're gonna, gonna win right ben because you just yeah, picked okay. like you just like no offense like i'm i'm probably i'm pretty sure i'm so I'm offended right I know you should be offended. Your You're a terrible person. Um, yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but I do think we're going to pick numbers and we'll round to the closest one. We're not going to be too serious yeah, and we're not putting right. money on it. Except right. sure. the only thing is control of the final moments of this podcast. That's what's important. <laughs> um, that's what's important in life. And I'm actually going to start counting points, and so at the end of the year we can see who is the best movie uh, predictor, if you will. All right. So Ben, you're up first. Pick a number. Oh boy, this is tough. It can be all over the place, but I, I just think of Batman and that they're going to try to fix the Man of Steel stuff. I think it's going to be a lot love, but I'm just going to say like 72. 72% on Rotten Tomatoes. All right, next up we got Andrew. I'm going to go with 60% on Rotten Tomatoes. Fuck. Because it's Zack oh, it's it's Snyder. It's Zack Snyder, so... Just, I forget you hate Just <laughs> right, right, fresh, yeah, just It's just only so going to reach freshness. Bear, right. If it if it reaches fresh, just barely. Uh, I'd say sixty-five. Bobby. I'd say sixty-five. Sixty-five. Got the low votes here. All right, now who's up next, Peter? Um, I'm actually fairly close. I'm actually really close to Ben. I'm gonna say seventy. I think it's gonna seventy for Peter. About, about average. Average goodness. Jesus Cristo. Um, I don't know. Sorry. Um, Sean. Oh. Yeah, I think it's I think it's in the sixty. I'm gonna go sixty, um, but yeah, it's Zack Snyder for God's sake. Man of Steel is a disaster. So <laughs> I'm gonna ask, I'm gonna ask here because we're gonna make you we're gonna make you go above or below Andrew. Andrew is exactly sixty. So do you want oh, sixty-one or do you want fifty-nine? Uh, sixty-one. Sixty-one. Yeah. It is. It's like Price is Right. All right. Right. So if it's under sixty, Andrew wins now, unless someone says under. Exactly, unless Trevor gets, or Trevor or me goes. Mm -hmm. Trevor. Low ball. I'll go for fifty. Oh. Trevor. Oh. Fifty. <laughs> oh I don't give a fuck. Big dick. Okay. All right. Um. So like, who? Okay. Where's? You can go higher than me. 
Yeah, I am. I'm going to be a dick. All right. I'm going to say 80. If you say 73, I'm going to kill you. Okay. <laughs> I'm not going to do that, dude. That's a bitchy. No. I do. I do. I'm, I'm actually. This is not out of the blue, and I'm not picking the top number. I actually do think it's interesting. And Since everyone- there's been there's been pre-buzz about it existing being the thing. And I think people are kind of ready for DC to get its shit together. And with the extended universe kind of showing up and with the rise of Wonder Woman and kind of like, I don't think Zack Snyder fits a Batman or Superman individual movie. But I think like his ability to like at least have a cast of characters move from point A to B and the fact that they're actually focusing on stronger <laughs> themes or, or the early buzz suggests that it's actually too smart for theaters which you know I don't believe for a Bullshit. fucking second right. no but um, I don't know I just no. don't believe it's too smart for theaters like I don't know anyone that ever I, says it's that it's probably gonna be as smart as Inception which made like 800 million dollars you know what I mean like, yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> I mean I agree with that I mean it's a superhero movie and I, and I don't know what we expect from that but I'm, I'm thinking that it might actually this this feels like a better fit for him than Superman. Okay. Okay. Um, and I think that's all I have to say. And I can think I, like can I, a little bit wilder. Yeah, Ben, what's Can up? I be a dick since I have the only non-five base <laughs> answer? Can I change it to 75 now so that it fixes my OCD? Okay, I mean, 75. Yeah, it's okay. Uh, where are you, Ben, 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 Ben? 75, okay, okay cool. So okay, so if it's above 80, Jack wins. If it's under 50, Trevor wins. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Correct. Okay. So like I, me and Trevor like have like like the majority of the bet. The hats in the pants. But the, <laughs> I didn't realize that Trevor actually has like fifty percent yep. of the score possibility category. <laughs> well, it, he does, but that is like below fifty is really bad. Yeah, like, like, it's it's like no, it's it's bad. It's like once you get it, past fifty, the score doesn't matter really. <laughs> like, like it's true. tanked. All right, does anyone else want to change their change their number? Nope. All right. No. I'm, I'm locking it in. You want to you run through them real quick? Locked in. Yeah, that's what that sound is. Like, I have a sound oh, thing God. this week for locking things in because y'all made fun of my face voice last what week. What tin was that? Was that like it's for a, peanuts? It's a, no, it's for, uh, it's for Welsh tea that my, uh, my, my uh, girlfriend's mother got me. So it might be poisoned, and that's why it's being used to lock in the votes. I can say it with a girlfriend with also British parents. It's awesome. They give you all the good stuff. It's pretty, yeah. They are. It is, I have this really badass scarf, and I really it's wool. It's wool, and it's like so warm. Okay, all right. So we're gonna go through the votes for last week, and I think we went over the website. Can I, can I just and we ask me like, the bet one more time, so I know all the numbers in my head? In my head. Can you say all the, oh, the numbers we all picked. Just yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's go. Let's go through them real quick. So for Sean, we have sixty-one percent. For Trevor, we have fifty percent. For Peter, we have seventy percent. For Bobby, we have sixty-five percent. For Ben, we have seventy-five percent. And for myself, we. We have eighty percent, and Andrew was at sixty percent. Yeah. And do we want to say like Saturday lock in right before Sunday, like before we record or whatever? I was gonna do it at the moment of recording. Okay. Okay. I mean, it depends. Like, do you want to lock? Yeah. Whenever we record, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just worried that like if we, if like if, if it goes to, I know you're right. Like if, like I'll do a lock in like that morning, mm-hmm. and I take a look at it like right before we record, and that's like at that moment unless anything else changes because that that actually made a difference in our last vote significantly because we pushed it back and because of that like and like it went like star wars went like three 
three paces difference. So, <laughs> looking at uh, the overall, and I just need to apologize. I want to go ahead and sh- close out the show before we have real the votes and who gets to close out the show this week. But essentially, we just want to go ahead and ask if anyone's interested in posting uh, posting some comments and some other questions for us. We'd love to do a comment section here and open up some questions and we answer some questions to the audience about things about us or about movies that we review or about our assholes because we're lovable. Um, so that's the whole point. If you if you got any things, just send them to newmanvisualproductions.com uh, or newmanvisualproductions at gmail.com. Or does anyone Please else want to list their email or Twitter handle? Please don't ask questions about my asshole. unless your name is jack (laughs) that was super creepy i'm sorry i mean let's be fair she is the only woman on our podcast as of right now so you should get the most asshole questions (laughs) i don't i don't really want to think about it okay um i don't know man ben my asshole is Let's not go here. Are we still on? Ever look at it with a hand? Is that our next bet? Okay, (laughs) moving on. Moving on. (laughs) Burning, burning precious minutes here. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I'm doing. All right, guys. So, does anyone else go to uh, Newman Visuals at Twitter and send us some questions? We'd love to answer them next week. Opening up the vault to see what the the the, uh, votes from last night. That's the worst opening. Cool. (laughs) Fuck you. I'm not. Gonna buy an actual vault. Like, go fuck yourself. (laughs) Or the sound. I'm not even gonna buy the sound thing for a vault because those are expensive. On, on like, um, super ego. This is not. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Anyways, so last week we we went through the thing. We kind of did it on a on a kind of a double jeopardy type of basis to see who would win. I'm gonna go ahead and I essentially won last week going over like spotlight and we said like, oh, then we'll go to the next uh, best thing and we'll go to the next best thing and after that eventually we said like you know whoever had like the most wins and whoever got through the minute and the most tiebreakers would win that's stupid and it's very complicated for me to figure out so and we all did oscar ballots anyways stop whacking your head peter i see you um the whole point is that instead we're going to go by who essentially won the most and um i'm going to get everyone to go ahead and reveal their uh ballots from the oscars this year um so i was 16 and 24 and uh peter you were i was horrible i did nine out of 24 brutal bobby I know I didn't win. You didn't win. I remember that. <laughs> exactly. You did not tell me to remember how many I got. <laughs> how many I got. I don't you know care. what? I know you, you didn't too. win. You didn't come in first. You came in last. Okay. Uh, ben. I believe I was the same as you, 16 out of 24. Yeah, no, you were 17. You beat me by one. It oh, pissed 17. me off. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll remember yeah, that's right, for you. Because I lost, it did piss me off. Because <laughs> I lost all short films, and that would have gotten me to 20. Yeah, and that was the thing, is because I, I, I totally lost on Mad Max. If, if I had called the Mad Max and the technicals. Because, uh, Andrew, did you make a ballot this year? Um, Yeah, but... I don't have my results in front of me, so I won't even. Okay, cool. Well, and you didn't. You weren't able to. I got a lot. I got a lot wrong. <laughs> Let's put it that cool. way. Cool, cool. There's actually so one I believe of my the winner was Sean. And Sean, you want to tell us how many you got? I got 18 out of 24. Oh. So you beat me by two. You beat Ben by wow. one. Um. So don't get too. Uh, what was? Don't get too excited. <laughs> Sean, uh, I was just curious. Which of the surprises did you get? Did you get Ex Machina or? or I got uh, I got Mark Rylance for Best Supporting Actor. 
he 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 if i recall from his ballot um he got really strongly through the technicals like he swept the technicals and i screwed up yeah those. i remember on the chat you had a very good mantra mad max for every technical board, <laughs> no that's so exactly good. what he did and he, that's like, exactly <laughs> what i did yeah and he like took it home and got like a gen- he, like i did much better in, than him in the main in the main section but at the same time he, there were so many back-ended awards that he like took home in terms of mad max like the, are you bitter at all jack it are you a little bitter me, so there you go <laughs> no, no, you can't tell that at all, Bobby. <laughs> all right, so Sean, you have won the right to promote both any anything that you want to promote, as well as closing out the show. You get thirty seconds to both close out. Well, you get as you know as much time as you essentially want to close out the show, as well as you get thirty seconds to disagree with anyone on this podcast and kind of have the last word of the podcast. So, awesome. your victory, sir. Well, I'm, I was actually, so I'll start with the Oscars. I was really happy with really how all the main awards went. I, I thought Spotlight deserved to win, and I was happy with uh, Mad Max getting the technical awards, and I was happy that Ex Machina got an, got an award. That was that was great. I thought all the movies who deserved to get stuff uh, got, you know, went home happy. Um, so since I pretty much agreed with the awards, uh, let, me, let me do a little superhero movie rant. They've been terrible lately. Absolutely god-awful. <laughs> Like, Avengers 2 was a piece of garbage. That was a complete waste of money. Um, Shut up, Peter. You know, all the all the sequels, like the Thor sequels, the Captain America sequels, have all not done anything for movie craft at all, other than, like, waste more money that could be going to movies like Ex Machina. Um, the only really good uh, superhero film that I can recall uh, recently was Guardians of the Galaxy, because it did a parody of superhero films. So I think that the genre is kind of, it's it's stagnated, and I'm hoping that something new comes out of that, that old bag of tricks, because I feel like we've been going back into it since, like, Iron Man in, like, the early 2000s. It's been 10 years, man. Like, can we move on to, like, new ideas in this genre? All right, so I have a mic drop. <laughs> so thanks, y'all, for uh, coming into the show. Um, I had a lot of fun, and uh, hopefully we'll, you'll we'll join us next time.